Michigan team that State beat Penn State because I think it, it just commands their attention a little bit. I don't think that you would have wanted Michigan State having all those those losses and being about as average as they were. That, that just it's hard to focus. Makes it hurt a little more for Sparty. Agreed. All right, and that does it for us on the Daily Sports Report. Thank you for listening to 88.3 WCBN-FM. For Lucas, Sergio, Andy, and Owen, I'm Alex Shee. Go Blue and good night. of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show, and my name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwight. Well, I don't know if there is a more murky relationship than the United States and Saudi Arabia. Uh, I don't know how this is going to play out, but obviously when you've got a, an incident involving Turkey on the one hand and Saudi Arabia on the other, Probably a political assassination of sorts taking place on Turkish soil in a Saudi embassy. You have a lot of intrigue, and of course the Saudi uh, royal family's been engaged in this kind of stuff in in the past. Well, even uh, against and amongst itself. Yes. I mean, the rise of this this crown prince... There are, of course, potential others. It's a large family. It's the only country in the world so far named for and run by a single family. Uh, but the internecine squabbling and skirmishing within the royal family itself um, is probably still chugging away in the background of this as well, potentially. Yeah, and and of course, the American government's foreign policy connection to... Saudi Arabia has gone through all sorts of machinations over the years. Originally, it started, uh, frankly, when, when FDR met uh, King Bin Saad uh, right after Yalta. In fact, he left Yalta a day early. Um, 
he didn't actually go into Saudi Arabia. They met on a boat. I think it was called the USS Quincy. King Farouk of Egypt and Haile Selassie mm -hmm. were also there. And this was sort of FDR's uh, vision of the future of the Middle East in terms of oil supply. There was a kind of a deal made. We'll protect your monarchy. You supply us with oil. Uh, King Ben Saad, by the way, was fascinated by Roosevelt's wheelchairs. So he gave him two of them. <laughs> Just for kicks to cruise around in. By the way, the name of the Saudi official oil company, Aramco, is a reflection of those early involvement of FDR. Uh, Arab American oil company is what that originally stood for. Yeah, and of course the British and American oil companies have always played a huge role in the entire Middle East in terms of supporting regimes, monarchies, doing business, extracting oil. During the Second World War, Iran was actually occupied uh, in the north by the Soviet Union and in the south by the British. Um, eventually, King Faisal kind of consolidated power. He was one of the sons. And he kind of took over in a coup. And he had a rather extreme fundamentalist Wahhabi ideology. Wahhabism is the Saudi uh, yes. conservative fundamentalism. And this, they are Sunni, yeah. Um, but Wahhabism is the extreme conservative Sunni. And this is an amazing story, really, when you go back and you read a lot about it. I actually was fortunate to have read a book a couple years ago. Uh, actually, it was came out last year, I believe, by Bruce Riddle, who works for the Brookings Institute. Uh, I highly recommend this book. This is basically the history of Saudi Arabia. It's Kings and Presidents. Saudi Arabia and the United States since FDR, published by the Brookings Institution Press. Bruce Riddle is frequently quoted uh, in the media, even today, over the weekend, about this uh, complex American relationship. Uh, the 73 oil embargo was imposed by King Faisal that had a devastating impact on the American economy. Uh, that was in response to the Yom Kippur War. There have been all these incredible machinations between uh, Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Yemen. And it's a little troubling when you hear the media. I, I, clearly, this murder, and I think it's pretty clear that there was a murder, uh, cannot be explained away in any satisfactory sense. Donald Trump today is taking the denials at face value. I talked to him. He said uh, he said they didn't do it. So there you go. Yeah. That's there. That must be it. It's the Putin defense. It's the Donald Trump uh, collusion it's, defense. It's pretty embarrassing that the president of the United States is willing to carry such flimsy and feeble cover stories for autocrats. But then, of course, the big thing is the is the war in Yemen. Uh, this is. Uh, clearly impacting millions of people been going on for years now yeah in fact it's ironic that it really literally just started uh back in uh april march of 2015 and it sort of coincided with the iran arms deal um i actually have an old new york times here from the iran arms deal in which Saudi leaders have high hopes for airstrikes, but Houthi attacks continue. The writers, David Kirkpatrick, this is Friday, April 3rd, 2015, says uh, 
the Houthi movement portrayed as Iranian proxies by the Saudis, but few others, um, has continued its advances despite nights of Saudi-led airstrikes. Now, these airstrikes, of course, are with American weaponry. And as usual, Donald Trump got all the facts modeled up about the actual arms sales. You know, he talked about it in terms of transactional business. This is going to cost us jobs. We can't put our foot down. Rather craven and crass and superficial, and obviously there's a new tension now between the Trump administration and the Congress. Uh, Congress is reevaluating these arms sales, so to speak. But these were verbal agreements that actually occurred under Obama. In fact, I heard NPR today report that under Trump, there's actually only been $4 billion in actual sales since Trump has become president. So a lot of this is just kind of a verbal commitment, a loose sort of memorandum of understanding and that sort of thing. In... Uh, <clears throat> The late 70s, Jimmy Carter pursued what's called the Carter Doctrine. That was a unification of American interests with Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and uh, Israel. And Egypt and Saudi Arabia had had a number of conflicts in the 50s and 60s. Nasser and King Faisal did not get along. And in fact, a rather bloody war was fought in Yemen. All of this is connected, by the way, to Osama bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda movement. I'm in Al-Zawari, who is still at large somewhere. Don't know where he is. He's part of the Muslim Brotherhood, and the Muslim Brotherhood was part of this rivalry uh, between these two regimes. Sadat switched sides by the end of the 70s and decided to abandon the Soviets and join the Americans. So this became part of the Carter Doctrine. And then, of course, Reagan uh, began the massive arms sales to Saudi Arabia, the so-called AWACS sales that were a big, big political debate in the early 80s. So it's a, it's a very interesting history that's gone back and forth. We don't rely that much on Saudi oil, but facts are facts. They produce about 10 million barrels a day. Uh, roughly nine, somewhere between nine and twelve percent of global production, and uh, oil sales. To the, in terms of what we buy, has gone down in the last twenty years because we're buying more oil from Mexico and Canada, our NAFTA allies, uh, which is theoretically cheaper because it's closer. <laughs> but uh, the extent to which. Colin Pants and his son-in-law Kushner understand any of this history as you're briefly sort of detailing it. Is of Crown course, Prince Kushner. Crown Prince, <laughs> Crown Prince without portfolio, although this is one of his major uh, areas of concern. Um, th these guys obviously have no deep grasp of the history as you've unfolded it there. Um, and they rely so much on what they see as the, the personal relationship that's at the heart between international negotiations. Oh, I like Kim Jong-un. He's a good guy. We can 
We fell in. We deal. fell in love. We fell in love. Uh, what? Hand holding with Putin. Um, Kushner, of course, has had numerous sleepovers with his pal MSB. Don't call me MFSB. <laughs> um, so A is for autocrat. B is for uh, business deals, both of which the the Trump Empire and Kushner's business empire have numerous business connections to the Saudis. Uh, and see their craven nature is the ABCs of this deal. Um, Kushner's NAIF status. Uh, oh, this guy looks like a mover and a shaker. I'm going to put all my money on this guy. Well, um, the big international finance conference that was scheduled to be in Saudi Arabia, the second annual, um, is probably uh, falling apart in tatters. I think Fox Business News is the only you know, international media outlet covering the thing. Uh, Harken back to uh, Trump's first trip as president. Yep. Was to Saudi Arabia. That famous picture of him touching the glowing orb of destiny. Yes, with uh, the prince. And turned the... out to be. Crown prince. Yeah, uh, quite the amazing uh, puppet show. But uh, the word is that this uh, Khashoggi uh, journalist knew he was uh, potentially walking into a trap. Um he was wearing an Apple Watch, apparently, and mm -hmm. the uh, we don't know how much uh, Turkish Turkish military intelligence has from this, or whether or not American intelligence officials have this yet. But it seems there's a strong likelihood that uh, if he was interrogated, tortured, murdered, uh, there's the potential that some of that was captured by this device and is ostensibly available for somebody to analyze. So we'll see. I think there's more uh, information to come on this yet. Um, but, but Pompeo is on the job. He's flying to Saudi Arabia immediately to uh, see what the story is. And, yeah, I mean, Donald Trump's uh, acceptance of their denials seemed a little naive. Uh, obviously, there are, who knows, but this is a corpus dialecti problem. In fact, I've even heard a joke that MSB is now called Mr. Bonesaw. <laughs> Yikes. Just in time for Halloween. Because uh, rumor has it he was but these are dismembered the, and yeah. taken out in... In suitcases or whatever. Camel uh, um, But who knows? Maybe it was like some random hit squad sort of thing. It's, it's you know, yeah. the buddies of the 400-pound guy. Right. So how did they get in the embassy? And of course, Turkey at the at the moment would be somewhat reluctant to admit that they might have bugged the Saudi embassy. I've heard some controversies about this tech, technology capability regarding the watch. Apparently, you have to be within 30 feet. That's going to be a technical issue. The, mm. the girlfriend was outside. He was right. lured into the embassy to get documents for uh, pending marriage. The oldest sadly. institution in the world. The one that Americans hold so sacred, marriage. Uh, so who knows? And by the way, the the name. If you're uh, wondering if he is related to Adnan Khashoggi, oh, the famous uh, arms dealer yes. uh, with who appeared on 60 Minutes from time to time, and in the Iran Contra hearings. Yes, <laughs> he, was, he was involved in the opening to the moderates uh, in Iran. Is uh, is there a relation? Yeah, he he's directly related. He, he, Adnan was one of his uncles. Okay. Um, 
And well, and this this Khashoggi journalist was not unwell connected himself. Oh no, no. So um, some of these people in the Saudi royal family who found themselves under a very fancy lock and key in the uh, Hilton Hotel. Um, until they were forced to give up uh, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, you know, he he knows people in Saudi intelligence, uh, or knew, I should say. Well, and, and Prince Salman is clearly uh, pulling the King Faisal. He's clearly consolidating power, cracking down on this. And then what he does, of course, is conveniently throw a... a well, he's Mr. Bonesaw. He throws a raw bone to the West every now and then, like the oh, women, the women driving. Drive. You yeah. know that that to me was. I knew there was something superficial about that, and I didn't buy the uh, opening to the West. He went on a PR tour, of course. Uh, they always do, uh, so to speak. And King Faisal, you know, he, for instance, back in uh, in the '60s. In late fifties, when he consolidated power and brought in a more sort of hardcore religious uh, concept, he had been heavily influenced by Western uh, diplomatic contacts. He was very friendly. He, he, in fact, lived in Washington during parts of World War II. He was sort of an ambassador. He negotiated the original Air Force Base deal at Dharan. Uh, you might remember that from a terrorist attack that occurred in the 90s. Um, Osama bin Laden, incidentally, uh, this was one of his demands after 9-11. Uh, the United States was to withdraw from the Duran mm -hmm. Air Force Base, which W. Bush conveniently <laughs> did. And he also wanted Saddam Hussein overthrown. He got two out of three of his uh, demands, if you want to check it out. So fascinating. And, of course, there are continuing unanswered questions about the exact Saudi role in 9-11. Uh, I have never subscribed to American inside job being the, the big story, but certainly there were some aspects of the Saudi role that were covered up, uh, to say the least. There's some mysteries about all these Saudis that were allowed to fly back to Saudi Arabia within hours of 9-11. No questions asked. And after, in effect, all air traffic had been officially ceased. And, of course, the Bush family had all kinds of connections. Numerous business contacts there as well. So we know that the Trump family, that uh, <clears throat> I'm not too sure if Donald Trump is, he was called David Dennison on a few documents, I'm not sure if he's changing his name to Corleone, but since his first name is Donald, seems appropriate. Uh, they have all kinds of business interests, and there are unknown connections between Donald Trump's financial empire, so to speak, and these loans that he's taken out from all sorts of autocrats around the world, including, in all likelihood, the Saudis. Uh, the Saudis stay at his... Nice little hotel right across from Washington. Uh, there are all kinds of shady connections. And, of course, Jared Kushner is sitting around as we speak, getting fanned by a harem, I'm sure, <laughs> singing depreciation, depreciation. You know, he's taking all these uh, massive depreciation write-offs. Uh, 
so that, that he doesn't ex- have to pay any taxes. Right, that are on paper uh, while when still there's no earning. De- there's no depreciation. Right. It's, it's increasing. Yeah, so. the fact that the laws are written that way. In fact, the, the fact that the new tax code has been designed or engineered even to increase the benefits for uh, large stakes real estate landlord overlord types uh, to make even more money and pay even less taxes, that should become a major campaign issue, I would think. And, of course, uh, that story broke uh, this weekend. Donald Trump very rapidly had a interview on 60 Minutes where he talked— oh, you can't shut him up these days. No, he's everywhere. He's suddenly— changed no more Mr. Nice Guy to, I love the media. I'm doing well. I'm winning. So he's he's done this little transformation uh, within the week. Uh, somebody probably warned him about his uh, rather um, seemingly in bad taste political rallies while there's a hurricane going on. One of the most devastating hurricane storms to ever hit the United States. In fact, it, right, it went right through Trump Trump territory uh, in uh, in the, in the Florida Panhandle and and uh, Southwest Georgia up through the Carolinas. Um, that didn't look terribly good, you know. He's out in uh, Idaho and uh, Iowa. I don't remember all the red states he went to last week, but uh, he was carrying away with his his campaign rally, and he the he loves the public and. Then he he talks, likes milk in the laughs at Dr. Blasey Ford's expense. Sure. You know, she can't remember how many beers. Are, she can't remember. Yeah. I mean, he dropped that. Uh, oh, we have to be so careful. It's the Me Too era. I can't say the thing that I'm going to say, but no, I won't say it. Right. And then, of course, he praised himself uh, this weekend in the 60 Minutes interview regarding the uh, the threats. The threats have gone away. And I was like. Well, my recollection is you were the only ones talking about threats. You were the ones that were talking about your button. My button is bigger than yours. Yes, the ongoing romance between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump uh, needs to be featured tonight uh, in the National Enquirer headlines at 11. It's uh, rather remarkable. He claims that he has all this chemistry. My understanding is they sort of met for about an hour and a half. With translators, so I don't know. Is this like Cyrano de Bergerac, <laughs> uh, in which the uh, well, he's the carnival barker who can't stop barking. He's selling his, you know, uh, hokey joke cough syrup that cures nothing. Uh, apparently, thousands of people are willing to line up to go stand around for hours, no doubt, to get into these events where they just shout a lot of weird things. Um, he's having the time of his life. He's not really the president. He's playing yeah. a guy who thinks he's the president in, and, like, real time. And watching lots of television in the process. That's where he gets all of his information. Interesting to see a minor uh, correction in the stock market last week. What's re- Trump's response to that? Well, I can't go out on the campaign trail and brag about the economy for a couple of days. I'll attack the Fed and change my spiel, which he promptly did. Uh, This, of course, was just a minor uh, correction. Profit-taking is what it's called. The notion that interest rates have been skyrocketing is silly. But 
there really are problems with the with the trade war that's continuing and the unknown uncertainty involving that. This latest thing with Saudi Arabia certainly could have an influence on oil prices. But once again, it's Trump whose policies have affected oil prices. He's the one attacking Iran on a daily basis, practically. And even there have been reports that they're involved in a coup uh, concept involving Venezuela. So some of the instability in oil markets he's contributed to. A fascinating story, by the way, a couple weeks ago. I'll have to bring it in next week since we don't have that much time. But it's about uh, it's about the upcoming bubble in the uh, fracking uh, world. Hmm. Bethany McLean, who accurately predicted the uh, the housing bubble 10 years ago, the Great Recession, we're sort of still in the 10-year anniversary of that as the weeks go by, is noting that a lot of the fracking uh, is based on easy money, easy cheap money, and that these wells uh, lose an amazing amount of oil within two or three years after they are tapped, that this is kind of a... They're just bled out. They're just bled out, and then the the slurry gets dumped in some, uh, well, it's kind of like those ponds of hogwash down in And so North these Carolina. little teeny pinprick areas that were initially uh, boom areas will now become industrial waste sites and just abandoned. Yeah, and it, it's got some other issues connected to earthquakes and... And who really knows how uh, successful fracking has been. The fracking industry, by the way, needs oil prices at a certain level. They have great difficulty making money when oil is below $50. So the oil market continues to be another uh, amazing source of economic mystery. Uh, The stock market, on the other hand, not so. Uh, let's remember that most of the beneficiaries of the stock market are wealthy people. Yes, people have 401ks and all that. Uh, you may want to take your profits soon. Uh, but the notion that interest rates are going way up and that um, the new chairman of the Federal Reserve has only been on the job a little over a year is somehow uh, jacking up interest rates and causing problems in the market is just nonsense. Uh, the interest rates have stayed too low for too long, and uh, what they really need to look at are these massive increasing deficits. How interesting that just last week they reported that the three-month trade deficit with China is at an all-time high. In other words, Trump's tariff war is not working as advertised, at least not by him. <laughs> Well, it's also not working because he's having to throw little extra, you know, cheat sheet bones to the uh, soybean farmers uh, who reside right there in the heartland of America, red country, um, just to keep them from getting too ticked off at the costs of the tariffs. And as for the war in Yemen in which millions of people are allegedly in jeopardy, this is being reported by human rights groups. This is not being made up how fascinating that Trump walked back his uh, warming Chinese hoax accusations yesterday, and he's got a new story on that. He's the warm, fuzzy Donald Trump. He's the Donald Trump, the orange puffin. Take him home for for dinner tonight and 
cuddle up with them. <laughs> Wait a minute now. This is the dinner hour. <laughs> you don't want to make people sick here. That's right. <laughs> um, the stuffed animal. <laughs> Donald Trump. I'll stick with the stovetop stuffing tonight, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, well, one other thing I wanted to mention in connection to this uh, Khashoggi uh, disappearance, and, you know, we've talked about all the, the Saudi uh, angle on that story, but another context within which this story is important is that it's another one in a series of increasing attacks of violence against journalists worldwide. Um, not all of these are, you know, physically violent attacks. Um, although two uh, East European uh, uh, European Union journalists uh, investigating government graft uh, have been murdered in the last nine months. Most recently, this would be the third. Victoria Marinova, an anti-corruption investigative reporter, brutally raped and murdered in Bulgaria. Uh, Victor Mallet, the Asian news editor of the Financial Times, was expelled from Hong Kong inexplicably, apparently due to some pressure from the Chinese government, unhappy with some articles he's writing. So in a climate within which the president of the United States, a purported beacon of liberty, justice and freedom for all in the world, openly constantly, consistently harangues and attacks journalists and the media, pointing them out in the back of the room at his quasi-fascist rallies uh, as enemy of the people. Uh, this is part of the consequence. You know, whatever the weird Saudi inner, you know, turmoil between MSB and his rivals are, that's one thing. But, well, we can kill a journalist and get away with it because the president of the United States is not going to give a tinker's cuss. Well, and also they probably erroneously assume that Trump was in the ascendancy. You know, there have been some minor polls that have showed he's gotten a little bump from the Kavanaugh hearings. I think most voters are going to forget about that by Election Day. Except for the ones who are really ticked off about them. Yeah, and we can talk more about that next week. But when you mention the journalists, it's interesting to note because of the Annapolis newspaper shooting, yeah. America actually ranks third. Uh, on journalists being attacked. Now, that seems to have been a personal grudge rather than a state-sponsored murder. But uh, just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We'd like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. We are out of time, I believe, and Yazoo City Calling is coming up next on this fine station. Here's how it's done. I mix a little bit of this. With a little bit of that. Drop in something different. and add some spice. Then I shake it up in the shimmy shimmy shaker and let it brew real nice. And 
that's what makes Sachet's Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Bop a flavorful mixed blend of roots, blues, folk, bluegrass, country, zydeco, jungle.